Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said, what do, you have, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broad-leafed tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then... God sent a worm. By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. Then God said to Jonah, What right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, Plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, What's this? How is it you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who do not yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals? It's a good thing none of us are like Jonah. <laughs> we don't have to even deal with this at all today. A um, couple, couple things real quick and then we will jump into this story, this interesting story, um, just for a little bit. Um, how many of you were at the march yesterday? I know some of you were. Yeah? In a minute, if there's any confirmation or high school students who want to just give us a quick word about that experience, I would love to hear from you while you think about that. And you can say no, too. That's fine. I gave you zero warning. Um, I, last night, I was at Wesley's baseball game. Wesley's here. And it was so great because... Wesley's in a league that's different than our league, so that can, you know, cause, like, Nineveh-type feelings between the two leagues. Um, and uh, in the last inning, their team took the lead by one, and let Wesley was in left field for the bottom of the last inning. And the first two batters hit line drives to left field where he made diving catches on both plays to get two outs. Uh, he just, he just confessed that maybe this, yeah, give him a hand. He, he just confessed to me that maybe the second one he didn't really need to dive, but maybe it just looked better, you know, but um, it was so fun, Wesley, to watch you play and uh, to see your team pull that out. Um, how about the march? Any, 
Any of you that were at the march, any quick updates for us on what that experience was like or what, uh, what kind of you took away from that um, or what you're kind of bringing into worship today, having been there that day? And it can be kind of quick or... Yeah, there was a march yesterday um, down in L.A. And really there were marches all over the country um, kind of surrounding what has been going on at the border in terms of children and families being separated. And um, as our country tries to grapple with what, what immigration reform looks like, this, um, this particular piece of that is happening. And these people really turned out to, to say that, you know, as we deal with this, this is not how we want to deal with it. And so, um, anybody, anybody, was it a, maybe I could fish for some descriptions, unless there's anybody who wants to jump in. Um, was it a hopeful experience? And this is a genuine question because I wasn't there. Was it hopeful? Was it um, frustrating? What were some of the emotions that were expressed and felt at, a, at the march yesterday? Anybody want to speak to that? Truth telling? Okay. Telling sounds like hope for for a different kind of way of life. Sounds like anger um, generally. Those kinds of gatherings have that um, as a part of them too. Um, this morning I was kind of finishing up things for um, for the sermon today, and Ari called and said, "Hey, we need your help. We're at the Ritzaws because uh, one of our boys had committed to kind of taking care of their fam or their yard while they were gone." And she said, "Because the chicken's out." And we need to get it. And so we went as a family unit, minus one who was still sleeping, um, over to uh, chase down this chicken. And they, Ari and, and, and Ari had brought the dog over, and our dog is trained um, from generations ago to hunt chickens. And so, um, and then she, what she does is hunt chickens and then look at you like, aren't you so happy with me? And, and you're like, ah. Um, 
And so we were like running around trying to get this chicken and the wings weren't clipped for a while. So this thing's flying all over the, up onto the, the garage and onto the chicken coop and over the wall into the alley. And we're just doing our best to try to get this thing. And, you know, at little moments, you feel and say things in moments of stress um, that aren't really about what's going on, but they come out. It's called anger, right? It's called what Jonah was experiencing. And it wasn't really about what was going on. It was about a sermon that needed to be finished up, right, for today. And it was about the desire to be at home, relaxing, and not helping your brother with the job that he had committed to. And it was about, oh man, I committed to this job. i got to take care of this bird. You know, it was about that. It wasn't about, you know, your brother's inability to help you catch the chicken. Um, <laughs> it was about all these other things, and it kind of played out. In, in anger, and this, it was fun, mostly. We caught the bird, it's a lie. Um, think about the times when you're angry. Think about cultural realities of anger. Um, road rage, what's that about? Like, no hands, but like, how many have like, felt that and gone, what in the world just happened to me? Um, what causes you to be angry? And not just the stuff you're like proud to be angry about, but like the stuff that catches you by surprise. Who in your life draws it out of you where you're like, oh, I love this person the most. Why am I so angry? Um, I want us to just reflect on anger a little bit because I think... Um, Kind of surprisingly, Jonah, the book of Jonah, ends with this um, reflection on, on anger and kind of the role of anger. Really, the, Jonah should have been over after chapter 3, right? Chapter 1, there's this call. Jonah's called to go be a prophet. Chapter 2, he's got the voyage, the heroic voyage that every you know, hero has. Goes down into the whale, the fish, the fish spits Jonah out. Chapter 3, success. Jonah goes to Nineveh, preaches, and what? They, the, the, Jonah 3, verse 10, ends with God saw what they were doing. They had ceased their evil behavior. God stopped planning to destroy them, and he didn't do it. The end, roll credits, story's over, right? Should be done. Um, but it's not. It goes into this weird chapter that Nicole and Brad and Danielle just read um, for us that kind of really makes you think, I got to go read Jonah again. Because this whole time I thought he was resistant because he was nervous or it was a big challenge. And now all of a sudden I'm realizing, no, he's resistant because he's angry. I got to reread this whole thing. Um, But Jonah thought this was a great evil. The word great and evil are kind of throughout Jonah, and here is the first time they're held together, um, right in Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, come on, Lord, wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love and willing not to destroy. 
At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah prays. This is the second time Jonah prays. First time in the belly of a fish, God, give me mercy. Save me. Second time, why are you giving them mercy? Why are you saving them? Anger. Um, I wonder what was below that for Jonah. Like what prompts this, this anger? Um, and what's really weird is that Jonah not only articulates his anger against Nineveh, but he articulates his frustration and anger against God for being so merciful, for being so gracious. Ben really helped us last week. We have an invitation today to, to, to connect with Nineveh, um, to connect with Jonah. Um, I wonder where we find ourselves in this story. Um, ben invited us to consider Nineveh. Um, the weeks before, we kind of found ourselves in Jonah. Um, deep in jo Jonah's kind of commitment to who he is is that God's enemies are his enemies. Um, God's people are his people. And here, Nineveh, or God is, is demonstrating that Nineveh, the great oppressors of Jonah, are God's beloved. Nineveh, the ones that have hurt Jonah, are the ones that God deems worthy of saving. And it, you can understand how that might churn up in Jonah like some huge visceral responses and questions. The one Jonah has followed and loves most, he's demonstrating his anger towards. Um, anger is used three times in this story. Here, when Jonah says he's angry, and he goes off to the east, kind of like Adam and Eve when they're kicked out of the garden, he sits over in the east and he just pouts, right? He's kind of like the wallflower at the dance. He just like stands on the side, and he's just kind of watching, hoping for destruction, right? Again, none of us ever do this about people or movements or things that we disagree with. None of us ever do this, where we stand off on the side and just hope for destruction. Um, but Jonah did, so we'll keep going with the story. Um, Jonah seems to me to, he feels very small here. I think anger comes when we feel small. And so therefore, anger can be very appropriate sometimes. Because anger gives us a way of feeling larger. <laughs> to, to deal with whatever has brought about that anger. Jonah is kind of demonstrating, though, an inability to hold um, together both kind of the goodness of God that he has received and appreciated, as well as what he deems as kind of bad, the goodness of God for these people that he has essentially dehumanized, Nineveh. Um, and so Jonah's having a hard time holding those seemingly contradictory um, realities together. 
But I think nonetheless, anger makes us feel, um, comes out when we feel small. And I think that's why it can be really appropriate to feel that. Um, most of the time, anger is a secondary feeling, right? We feel anger when? When we've experienced pain. When we see injustice. When something is going wrong. Um, we feel anger. Other times we feel anger is when we are too stressed, right? And it comes out on something that doesn't deserve it. Um, other times we feel anger is when um, things seem out of control, and then maybe a little thing that feels out of control, like maybe your children don't obey you every once in a while or something like that. All of a sudden, your anger comes out. It's really not about the kids, but it's about this deeper thing of control um, that probably has to do with a very real pain at some point or expectation. Um, but we feel small, and so we get angry to try to be big. Um, Thank God none of the parents in here ever get angry at their kids. Amen? Confirmation and high school students? <laughs> Crickets. All right. Um, what anger is, though, is it's a cue for change. Um, it's a cue for growth. And when, when it's grappled with well... Um, Brene Brown suggests it can lead to connection. Um, it can lead to life. Um, when, we, when we respond to anger in, in a helpful way. Some of the responses to anger. Um, sometimes the response to anger, depending on your culture, your, your, the religious culture you grew up in, what, what, whatever, your family of, of origin, sometimes response to anger is, it's bad, don't do it. Right? I don't think that's a real helpful response. Um, but that is a response, like stuff it. Um, another response is violence, right? Like physical harm. Um, humans are generally social beings. So even though plastered all over the news is like incidences of violence, um, most of the time when we're angry, we don't respond um, in physical violence. So that does happen. And, and some of us have experienced that. Um, a third way to respond is to dehumanize people. Like if we have an inhibition to not do physical violence, kind of what we can then do is dehumanize people, or Christina Cleveland says categorize people, and it gets at something Ben talked about last week, as either all good or all evil. And if some group of people or some you know, movement is all evil then we can dehumanize that group out of our anger. Um, and we see examples of this all the time, right? Um, we see it in our politics. Um, when Joe Biden is, you know, not let into a bakery, Democrats are up at arms. Republicans are, he deserves it. And then when Sarah Sanders is kicked out of the Red Hen restaurant, Democrats are like, yeah, that's right. And Republicans are like, how dare you do that? Um, and we see this kind of dehumanizing just play out. Um, all good, all evil in our, in our media. Um, and God asks us, is our anger a good thing? How do we allow our anger to be a good thing? 
Because it can be. Because um, another way to respond to anger is to recognize it and to acknowledge that probably there's a pain there that needs to be named and, and dealt with. Um, Brene Brown writes, The trap that most of us have fallen into, I can hate large groups of strangers because the members of those groups who I happen to know and like are the rare exception. Right? Um, that's kind of a little bit of an aside. Um, but she also suggests, and this is, I think, really helpful right now. What if what we experience close up is real? And what we hear on the news from the mouths of politicians who are jockeying for power needs to be questioned. It's not easy to hate people close up. And when we're in pain and fear, anger and hate are our go-to emotions. I think it's easier to acknowledge when we're close up. Whoa, I'm angry. What's that about? Because it's harder to write off someone that you're close up to. It's harder to dehumanize someone that you're in relationship with. Um, there's a chance at acknowledging, naming, and dealing with the pain that is bringing about um, whatever anger uh, we're experiencing. James Baldwin says, I imagine one of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain. And you almost feel that in Jonah, don't you? Like he's standing there just holding on to his hate for Nineveh um, because so much of who he is is wrapped up in his feelings towards Nineveh. Um, it's easier to be angry than to be hurt and scared. It's easier to be angry than to deal with pain that we're feeling. Or, and for some of us, it's like, I don't even know what the pain is that I'm feeling. Right? But I'm angry for something, for some reason. Um, I'll never forget, for me, it was coaching soccer a few years ago. It was a playoff game. It was a big game. Uh, Zach has a breakaway. And we were a big underdog. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to score. We're going to take the lead here. And this big kid just ran and just mowed Zach over and knocked him down to the ground. And we didn't get the goal. And I just screamed. Like, it just came out of me. Like, I was like, what the heck? I just screamed at the top of my voice, that's a foul. How could you not call that? And, like, the whole field just looked at me. And I'm like, I looked at myself. I was like, what the heck? Where did that come from? Was it about competition? Probably. Um, the ref came over to me very nicely, told me to settle down, that if I did that again, I'd be asked to leave. Um, <laughs> later that week, a friend of mine said, hey, you want to come to a prayer gathering? For, we're going to be praying for soccer and, and all the adults and Christians who are involved in soccer. Would you, would you come and pray? Um, and I, and I, I said, I, you know, I can't make it. I got to get, I got to get the kids to, to school. And, and later I found out that that referee was at the prayer gathering um, that I was invited to. Um, fortunately, I apologized to him after the game. Um, ends up he works for the city of Duarte because we ran into each other at a homelessness-like initiative meeting, and I was thankful that I'd apologized. Uh, <laughs> but that, that anger wasn't even about competition. It was about stress. It was about overload. 
It was about, I got to take a break. I got to cut things out of my life. Um, it wasn't about a bad ref. Um, I think our anger reveals stuff to us. It's a gift to us if we take the, take the chance to, to not ignore it, but to, to kind of name it and listen to it. Um, because a lot of times um, it's about pain and fear. Um, sometimes owning our pain and bearing witness to our struggle means getting angry. So don't, don't hear anything I say today about stuffing anger. It's, it's the opposite of what I'm trying to suggest. Um, it's, it's how, how do we understand it? Um, because when we deny ourselves the right to be angry, we deny our pain. Um, we have a right to need and feel our own anger. And it's critical to know that when we can recognize our anger um, and name it and understand it, it loses its power and it becomes what it's supposed to be, which is a cue rather than a companion. Um, anger is not called to be in a companion with us. Um, again, uh, Brene Brown writes, anger is a catalyst or a cue, like I said. Holding on to it will make us exhausted and sick. Internalizing anger will take away our joy and spirit. Externalizing anger will make us less effective in our attempts to create change and forge connection. Probably each of us do both of those, but maybe one is more of a tendency than the other with our anger to internalize it, um, which robs joy. Um, or to externalize it, which can cause pain and, and, and eliminate connection. It's an emotion that we need to transform into something life-giving. Courage, love, change, compassion, justice. Or sometimes anger can mask a far more difficult emotion like grief, regret, or shame. And we need to use it to dig into what we're really feeling. Either way, anger is a powerful catalyst but a life-sucking companion. Um, um, I feel for Jonah. In, uh, later in the chapter, I think we get it. It's maybe what Jonah's feeling, what, what's beneath it. But Jonah went out from the city, sat down east of the city. There he made himself a hut, sat under it in the shade to see what would happen. And the Lord God provided a shrub and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. And Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day and at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so that it died. Most, most people I read recognize the shrub as kind of the priestly tradition, the prophetic tradition of Israel. Um, but somehow Jonah saw in God's mercy to Nineveh, a threat to something that had been super important to him. Um, a threat to maybe even his very call as a prophet. Um, a threat to his religious tradition and heritage. Um, God's mercy for something that was 
so different and, and even had caused pain, um, but yet Jonah had somehow seemingly found some, identi- found some identity in not being. Um, and I just wonder if there's a word for us as Mountainside in that. Um, that that we, um, we can heed this extravagant mercy and grace of God for people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, um, who don't even agree with us. Um, but what does it mean that God is extravagantly mercy um, for people who maybe even we kind of identify ourselves by not being? Um, what does it mean that God loves um, yeah, people that we find it hard to love? What does it mean that God wants to save? Are we, are we really, when we engage people who we disagree with, do we engage them out of judgment and anger? Or do we engage them out of, there's a loving future ahead for both of us, for all of us. Can we get at that together? Um, does that make sense? Um, so I get Jonah's loss. And God, again, says, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Is your anger about what you're losing, what you feel is at stake? Is that a good thing? Or is there a better future ahead? So a couple, a couple things. Um, as I, this story ends in an amazing way. Jonah is like, yeah, my anger is good, even to the point of death, right? Uh, again, this is traumatic humor. We've talked about that a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, Brad, you did so well at that, reading that today. But God, God finishes this add-on chapter with a question that I think is worth sitting with, all of us. You have concern for the shrub, for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and perished in a night. Yet for my part, can I have concern for Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? There's a number of takeaways. I want to just make sure I get this one in as the kids come in, and it's a good sign for it too. I think if we want to, if we want to be in tune with God's concern for cities like Nineveh, for movements, things that God wants to save that might um, be a challenge for us, is that we need to be driven. Welcome back, kids. Ooh. Driven by hope. Which doesn't mean we stuff our anger. Which doesn't mean we, we don't acknowledge the pain that might be cued in by our anger. But it does mean that we open ourselves up to hope. To God's hope. 
even in places and with people that is really challenging to do that with. Um, and, and lastly, I think a beautiful thing that this um, tells us about God, and, and with this we'll come to the table, is that throughout this story of Jonah, God is the one who holds it all. Think about that. God holds it all. God holds um, Jonah and all his anger and the sin and pain, which are not always linked, by the way, but the sin and pain underneath it. God holds it. Um, God holds Jonah's religious heritage and tradition. Um, God holds Nineveh and all their wickedness and all their repentance. God holds all of it. Um, and God holds this hopeful future that God wants to call all of us, all of us too. Sometimes we sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hands, and, you know, appropriately we jump to animals and, like, people and different people and all these, like, physical things. I wonder what it's like to, to sing that song also recognizing he's got our longings in his hands, he's got our anger in God's hands, um, our pain that drives that anger, um, the anger and pain of other people that cause us anger and pain, like God's got it all in God's hands. When we, uh, when we come to the table today, um, I, I pray we can come and hope because of that. Because God carries all of this. And God is... Jonah, Jonah says, right? Come on. Come on, Lord. This is why I fled Tarshish. You are a merciful and compassionate God. Very patient, full of faithful love, willing not to destroy. And with all that we hold in that, we, we give thanks to God for that. Um, so when we come to the table, let's proclaim that together. Um, some of us will come as a part of a big, fun gathering, and that's beautiful. It's a beautiful part of what we do. Um, some of us coming to the table is about all we can muster up. Um, in our gathering on a Sunday. For some, I want to invite you, God, what's the anger that I'm carrying about as you come? Ask yourself that question. The anger that spills out these weird places, sometimes among people I really care for and love, help me, help me recognize and name what that's about. Um, for some of us, we know what it's about. And so bring that. God, in your faithful love, be with me in this. Help me with this. Um, God, we, uh, we pray that your spirit would guide us to the table today. We pray that uh, this consideration of, of anger 
would not end here, but that throughout our weeks, God, you would um, help us to respond to it well. We thank you for this emotion, this feeling that can point us towards healing and hope. And we pray that you give us the understanding and the grace to face it um, so that it might. May that even start now as we come and take of your body and your blood. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.